Welcome to Jesus Pursuits Weekly Sermon, where our mission is bringing the good news and demonstrating the kingdom. Join us live for Worship in the Word Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on our YouTube channel. We hope you are encouraged and equipped by this week's word with our guest speaker, Dan Sparks. I want to invite my friends, Dan and Vicki. Um, Dan, I think you're doing the preaching, right? You can just show Vicki off. Um, but yeah, let's give them a Jesus Pursuit welcome. And we love you. You're welcome here. Do what the Spirit leads you to do. And so honored to have you in the house again. You know this stage. You know this mic. Hallelujah. You ever been in a spot where the Lord gives you something to say and five other guys get up and say what you were going to say? <laughs> That's good. I've looked forward to this day for, I don't know, last month, six weeks. Actually, I've looked forward to this day for the last 12 years. <laughs> Uh, recently this summer, um, I've reconnected in the construction field with uh, Justin, and we've been working some together and uh, spent some time working on uh, Justin and Emily's new home that's building built in North Albany. It's a beautiful home. I'm sure that they will be sharing it with you. And uh, just happens to be next door to Terry and Christie's, so that's kind of cool. Get to see them and appreciate that. And one of uh, Justin's jobs that he had scheduled was over at Mike and Julie's, so we've been over at their house and uh, hanging out over there. But I, don't, I didn't take this personally, but when we came to work on their house, they went on vacation. So, so. <laughs> yeah, so. so we do say hello to old friends and co-laborers. We, we are friends and laborers. And we say hello to new friends. Vicki and I still live here in Albany. We live out on a farm there in Deaver Connor where we've lived for 40 years or plus and haven't been involved with the farm for many years, but continue, continue to still have a construction business here in the valley in Albany and then pastor in the church over at Newport Lighthouse Vineyard which, as Emily said, was a church plant out of this house uh, over 20 years ago when Bob and Sue Potts went and planted there. And several of you, during those early planting stages, came over for a week of meetings. I don't know if any of you remember that. I still see Ann and Vicki riding around in, I think it was Rick uh, Shemansky's uh, yellow Jeep or something, and Denny preaching at the middle school over there as that work got started. And that work is going well. It's going well. Times of breakthrough, people believing who they are, getting a new vision for, for the coast. You know, the coast is a whole different world than the valley. You know, it just is. Different lifestyles, different, different obstacles, different strongholds to break through. 
contend with. There's a people there on the coast that love Jesus. And some of them love Jesus because of you. Because of having the opportunity to fellowship in a corporate setting that is passionate about Jesus Christ. So we say thank you. We are uh, officially senior citizens. We are still younger than Dave and Teresa, and we're younger than Denny and Ann. We're still younger, and uh, but we're catching up. So, Vic is retired from uh, Greater Albany Public Schools. There, she served and worked at South Albany for over 25 years. Some of you have known her there as your kids have come through South Albany. And uh, she's retired to full-time grandmother. And then she works, which we're, we just had grandchild number nine last Sunday, and number 10 is coming first of November. And she also uh, takes a little time to take care of our house, which she's always done wonderfully. I had clean underwear in the drawer again this morning. Thank you, you know. <laughs> she ironed my shirt. Thank you. <clears throat> Yeah, and take care of her yard and her garden and whatever call else she gets when somebody needs a hand. So I appreciate her and thank you for, I'm thankful for her. Yes, this body, Jesus Pursuit, when we attended here, it was, it was the Albany Vineyard Christian Fellowship. And uh, we were here for 15 years. And we were thankful. And since 2010, then, when, when the Lord led us to go over to Newport, he never told us to move over there. I get asked that often. Never told us to move. He said we were to go. And so we have ruts in the road from Deaver Connor <laughs> to 7th and Herbert in Newport. And I figured up the other day, I think we put on about 150,000 miles going back and forth to the Newport. And that's a few tanks of gas. But God has blessed us, and we are grateful and thankful. But we drive by this place, this house, multiple times a week. And your, your fellowship here is never far from my heart and my thoughts, and my gratefulness. So, bless you guys, and thank you. As Emily alluded, I, I was hired by the church here when, when uh, the church got ready to move into this part of the church plant here. Hired to help oversee the construction and uh, work then with my own crew and other subcontractors, but also work with the church family as, as we put hands and feet to vision that God gave for this house. And it, it, was, it was a very good time. <laughs> it really was. And I was appreciative. And I want to thank Emily, uh, Pastor Emily, for the invite to come today. This is something I'd never told anybody before. 
But when we knew our time was done here, and, and we left in that sense, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, but someday I have a chance, opportunity, just to speak to this house also. So thank you, Emily. That means a lot to me, as you can tell. So I want to share with you what I want to do today. I want to partner with the heart of the Apostle Paul for the church in Philippi that he had as we look at portions of his letter written to them, which we call the New Testament book of Philippians. And so looking, we'll be releasing God's word for you by his direction. This is God's word for you. It comes from his direction. I want to share some of my memories and, and known facts which I experienced in this house. I hope to continue in, in so doing to encourage you to continue to press into Christ and possess his fullness, which has been his plan all along. I want to obey God and pray a very specific prayer for a specific person, which he told me to do. We're going to be doing that. And I want to call each of us to positively respond to his direction for us to press in, to possess. Press in to possess. So for me to team, if you guys can get that first scripture up, the Philippians 4, 12 through 14, and turn in your Bibles if you have them there with you. Paul writing here, he says, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I believe that the perfection Paul talks about is, is having our true lives and identity restored and being maturely lived out. He created us in his image and his likeness. His plan has always been that we would live in total unity with him, even though we blew it. God has not moved away from his plan. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> where he alone lives within us and where we live in and where we live is totally in him. He in us, us in him. <laughs> he pressed in to possess us in his standard by allowing Jesus Christ to be sacrificed on the cross as a sacrifice for our sin. He also pressed in to possess us in his standard 
by giving everyone who receives the forgiveness of sin that Jesus purchased the opportunity to be filled and walk with Holy Spirit. We were created perfect beings, and God wants to restore every person to their true identity and life. The heavenly prize Paul talks about pressing on to reach is perfect unity with God. This is God and man in full possession of each other. So when Paul, when he gives instruction to forget the past, I believe he's instructed us to not now live our lives in the constraints and failures of the past. Paul is not saying to never mention the past or reflect upon it. In his writings, he often speaks and reflects on the past as a way of helping himself and others respond and deal with the present and the future. He often reminds concerning the past in order to encourage believers about who God is and who they are in him. And that is my purpose today in sharing some memories of this fellowship and a, and a few fun facts that some of you might not know. <laughs> so... So this, this, fellowship was, this fellowship was planted out of, out of the Providence Vineyard Church, which is still seeking after and running after God, still advancing the kingdom. Frank Batham and Alita, pastor, are senior pastors over there. Les and Joy Yoder are still part of their team, and Les and Joy pastored that church for several years. I just saw Les last week. But this church was was planted out of that church. But here's the but. The but. But I've heard Pastor Denny say that this fellowship was not planted. It was birthed. This fellowship here was not planted. It was birthed. Planting and birthing are two different things. Something that is birthed comes forth from an intimate relationship between two individuals. See, this fellowship was birthed out of the intimate relationship of a people pressing in to possess more of God. A people desiring, as you've heard Denny say, a habitation of his presence and not just a visitation. Hmm? Heard that before? Heard it before. It's true. It's true. A habitation of his presence. Not just a visitation. And God, who wanted them, them in that way, said yes to those things. And that's how he says, this, I am birthing this with you. This intimate relationship. <laughs> it was birthed in worship. It was birthed in healing and signs and wonders. You, do you understand now why I feel like I'm the fifth one to get up here and say this? <laughs> it's what God is speaking today. It's exciting. <laughs> it was birthed in faith. 
It was birthed in hope. It was birthed in love. And it was birthed by and in his word. Like I said, birthed in intimacy. Listen to this. You heard this already. This is the DNA of this house. Huh? You are a living organism, alive and destined to the greatness and the glory of God. Our first Sunday coming to the Albany Vineyard, the church was meeting down in the senior center. Plans have just started to have this facility here. Vicki and I had been long time served in the Free Methodist Church here in Albany. It's her home church that she grew up in. It's a church we, when we were married and we moved to Albany when we got out of college that we were part of. And we were there for a long time. <laughs> God started doing a work in our hearts. Some friends invited us to go to a vineyard conference up in Seattle, and we went. When we walked in, the worship team was just doing sound check, and I remember looking at Vicki just when we were in the foyer. I say, there's something different going on here. Now, when I say that, I'm saying that from a person that's pretty familiar with lots of music, okay? So it wasn't just the music. Spirit of God. We heard it in the sound check. And we went in, we're sitting with, uh, in a congregation there, a group of probably about 300 people. And Danny Daniels was leading worship. He's one of the vineyard worship leaders early on. And they did the first song, and then they stopped the worship. And Danny, he, he, had, uh, he had this word. He says, there's a woman here who when you were little, when you were small, God said something, or, or your father said something to you. Well, here's what he said. He said, when you were born, I was a little disappointed because you weren't a boy. Vicki's the oldest in her, in her family of the children. And then Danny said, but the Lord wants you to know that you were not an accident. You were not an accident. You were exactly who you were supposed to be. You were created by me for this time of life. You, you are not an accident. And I, here's what he said, I'm not disappointed with you. Now, I knew that was her. And she sat there and was crying. He says, Holy Spirit just came and brought healing. You want to talk about miracles and you want to talk about the instantaneous move of God? There it was, right there. Just a word from God that you are who you're supposed to be and I'm not disappointed with you. And healing, that got our attention. We loved the worship. We loved, we loved all that, but we loved the healing that came immediately. And for the first time, these evangelicals, holy, holiness movement people, saw that God cared about all aspects of our life. 
the mental, the emotional, and the physical, and the spiritual. We are complete, total being. And God cares about all aspects of our life. And he brings healing. His healing, his work on the cross brought healing to all areas of our life. His work on the cross not only covered our personal sin that we were involved with and, and caught up in, but it covered the sin of those, of others who had come against us in some way. Or maybe had spoken something uh, harshly or wrongly or had done something that, we, we got caught in the midst of it. And a miracle happened that day. But the miracle continued because Vicki, you know, she's, she's not a super bold person, but she's not timid either, you know. But she went to her dad. Told him what had happened. And I saw that man crumble. Tears. I had never seen him hug her or kiss her ever. Not because it was her, that's just who he was, you know. And he hugged her and he kissed her and he begged her to forgive him. God was pressing into us. What could we do but press back into him? To possess what he wanted, had for us. So we ended up, because God is starting to do this new stuff, all of a sudden we're the crazy people at the Free Methodist Church. We're the wackos. We're the weirdos. We're the ones causing trouble. You ever cause trouble at church? Uh-huh. I've seen some of you. So it was, it was time to move on. It really was. And we tried really hard not to. And we ended up at the Salem Vineyard. There was no Albany Vineyard at that time. There was no Providence Vineyard at that time. It's just, just starting to happen. Went to the Salem Vineyard. And we went there seven weeks in a row. And not one person said hello to us. They were just getting back from Toronto. Man, God was doing work on them. They were excited. They were dogpiling on the floor. Hallelujah. And we walked in, man and wife and five children. Not one person said hello for seven weeks until I happened to go back to the, to the coffee pot one Sunday. And I met a man there named J.D. Hadley. Yeah. And J.D. and Charlotte had started attending the Salem Vineyard. And I had a conversation with J.D. Found out he was just an old Iowa boy like me. Yeah. You ever been... So involved with something, always involved with something, always been part of, of the team, always been in the midst of it all, and then have that taken away for whatever reasons, and you were just nothing. No one, no one even recognized you to say hello. 
And the first time in my life, I was on the outside looking in. And it hurt really bad. But I knew we were supposed to be there. And Vicki and I took a big risk. We really did. Taking our kids, moving into a situation. And I say we take a risk. Those kids sat with their grandparents and their great-grandparents and their aunt and uncle every Sunday at church. They were loved on. They laid their head on grandma's lap. We went out for dinner, you know, together. We fellowshiped together. Everybody knew their name. Our son Justin, he's 44 years old. Man, he, he threw up on Keith Harris's shoulder every single Sunday night for about three years, I think, because he's just so worn out from being at church all day. But Keith kept taking him and holding him, you know. Well, we walked in that Salem, and, and finally, here's what happened. They started home groups. And we went to a home group and got to meet some people. Man, and things are starting to fill into place. And we're there almost a year, almost a year. And that's when... The Albany Church was starting. We had been gone the summer that you guys did the meetings here in town. I was working, helping my folks build a barn in Iowa. We were gone almost all summer. So we weren't part of any of that. But our friend Bill Lancaster, who Bill, we met at the Free Methodist Church. Bill was going to college at the church, or at Lynn Benton. And Lord led him into our fellowship, and he, he rededicated his life to Christ. Diane was not, a, was not a believer at that time. And all they had was Colin. <laughs> He's just little. And Colin inter, introduced, he, he met Bob Potts at, at college. And we were getting ready to do an Easter cantata, and he invited Bob to come and be a part of the cantata. And Bob actually, he and Sue came, and, and Bob actually directed the cantata. The cantata. The worship in cantata. We wore suits and ties and things, you know. It was good. I still like that. And became close friends with the Potts, and we were friends with the Lancasters. So Bob was working for me. We were working on a house over by the old Izzy's over here, putting a, found, putting a foundation under it and a new floor joists. We were laying under that house all summer. But Bill came by one day, and, and uh, he and Bob had been talking, and, and Bill invited Bob to, to come to the Albany Vineyard down at the Senior Center. And so they went. Uh, Bob, Bob and Sue went the next week. I don't know why Vicki and I didn't go. I, I don't remember. I just know that Bob came back in the next Monday. We're laying underneath the house, and he says, Hey, you need to go check out the Albany Vineyard. I go, Why? We're just getting settled in Salem. <laughs> We'd been a whole year just trying to get, build some relationships, some friends, you know. And I remember what Bob said to me. He says, 
They believe what you believe. They want to do what you want to do. So I got, I went before the Lord, you know, and I said, Lord, I about had it. About had it. We've, we've left the Free Methodists. We didn't fit there. We go up to Salem. It's lonely. And finally, we're finally starting to build in something. And now we have this invitation to go to Albany. I said, Lord, I've about had it. But here's where I'm at, Lord. All I want to know is that I'm home. All I want to know is that I'm home. So we walk in that Sunday. Emily was on the team. I think she's about 18 at that time. Justin probably was Googling somewhere at her. I don't know. I mean, that's good. You made a good choice. I, I still don't know how you did it, buddy. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Aren't you proud of him? <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh-huh. And Dave was leading worship. And I don't think we had a drummer. I don't remember. Danny was playing bass. And uh, Bob Grossman was, was doing vocal work with Emily. And they did the opening song. Vic and I were sitting in the back. You know, that place wasn't very big, but we're sitting in the back. Back left-hand corner, back row. And they do the opening song. And they're getting ready to start the second song. And Bob Grossman says, just wait a minute. Just wait a minute. And he turned and looked at where Vicky and I was sitting. He says, hey, I don't know you. Would you stand up back there? Mm-hmm. So we stood up. He said, I don't know you. I don't know your name. I've never met you before. I've never seen you before. I know absolutely nothing about you. But God just spoke to me. And he said to tell you that you're home. Huh? That you're home. And all I've been crying out for is, Lord, I just want to know I'm home. So what was going on then, the, they just, the church had just gotten uh, rental possession of, of that part of this building. The office area back there and was moving to getting the older sanctuary, the entrance out here at that time. Actually, they had, they had gotten that. And they just started to work on it. It's one of those good deals for the landlord, you know who own the building and then their tenants come in and do the tenant improvement and pay for it. So that was a good deal. But it was a good deal for the church too. And they're working on it. So I started coming. I started coming working on the building with, with the other folks. We do our construction during the day, you know, get on five, six or whatever. And folks would be starting to gather in here and we'd work till 10 or 11 most nights and do it again the next night. And, and after a little bit of that, Denny, Denny came to me one time, and I don't know if he remembers this, and, and, and so sharing it, I don't in any way mean, mean to be um, rude or hurtful. 
because it's not it was not meant in that way at all. But then he came to me. He says, "Why are you working so hard on this project?" He asked me that question. And here's what I said. Well, I'm more committed to you than you are to me. <laughs> You're going, Dan, that's pretty rude. Yes, it was. It didn't have anything to do with that Denny and what had happened. It had to do with really the truth. God said I was home. So when God says you're home and he sets you in a place and it's been part of what you've asked for and he gives you direction, then what more can you do than pour your heart, your soul, your talents, your time, your energy into what God has said he has for you? Right? So that's what we did. <laughs> that's what we did. And one of the first things that happened was that, that area over there, um, the concrete in that area was exposed aggregate in, in a lot of the area. It had kind of pathways. You know, it had regular finished, finished floor, and then it had the exposed rock ag aggregate. And we were going to put carpet in there. So the thing that had to happen was that, that all of that aggregate had to be floated out with a, a cement leveling product. And Bill, Bill and Les Sprinkle were doing that. Hands and knees. And after that stuff set up, then it had to be sanded. And I can remember about eight or nine of us standing uh, out there on that side, and Bill brought in a grinder, uh, sanding, sanding hand floor grinder, and said, and he and he and Les are still, they're still putting stuff down, and he said, this is going to need to be sanded. This would be something that one of you can do. Mm-hmm. There's about six, eight, nine of us stand there in a circle. Mm -hmm. One man stepped forward. His name's Roger Anderson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Roger Anderson. And he got down on his hands and knees and he sanded that whole floor. And I knew, man, there's a man. <laughs> there's a man. There's God's man. There's God's man. And I learned something in humility that I'm talking about today. So it stood with me this whole time. Humility to serve. Humility to take on what God has given you. See, Roger had the vision that he could see the vision of what needed to be done so that the carpet like this could be going down so that 
we could have a sanctuary, you know. Roger, you've always been a man of humility to me. You're a witness of that. I've seen it not only that time, but many, many times in our friendship and relationship. And I know God is with you, and I know just the word that you gave this morning, see, is the word that he has shared with you and Debbie in your life, that he's got your, he's got your back. He upholds you. He keeps you. He leads you and God. He's helping you stand. And Justin and Tim, my, my boys, you know them. They go, they go to me a while back. They go, hey, Dad, you know one of the reasons we believe in God? My two older sons. One of the reasons we believe in God? He says, God never let him fall down when he was dancing across the stage. <laughs> They go, Dad, he was almost down. And he didn't go down. That's got to be God. Uh-huh. That's got to be God. And he's got your back today, Roger. Come up here, you and Demi. Come here. Come here. Terry, come help. Come here, my friend. I love you guys. I love your family. Here we go. In the name of Jesus, we say, eyes be healed. In Jesus' name, today, now. Who? In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. He's got your back. You're not going to fall. <laughs> and your life is a witness that people will look Continue to look at you guys and look at you, Roger, and say, I know there's a God. <laughs> I know there's a God. Be well in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. It's so good. So good. So oh, man. When we were working out on that side, Bob Williams and I were sitting up in, it has rafters area like this over there too. Bob Williams and I, I we, we'd been doing sheetrock or something, but we were sitting up in that wall over there looking on that side. I looked at Bob, he looked at me, and this is what came out. It says, this place isn't going to be big enough. Huh? This place isn't going to be big enough Why? It was birthed in God by a people who loved him. And there were more people, more people to come to know and love him and have, have a facility, as it were, a place to have a family to enter into his presence even more. And even in those days, as his family then, you know, was kind of coming together, I still, I, I could feel at times this battle of rejection on my shoulder, you know. Because the enemy's out, what? He's out to do what to you? See, kill, and destroy, you know. Kill you. 
Part of that come out of, you know, Salem, but there was J.D. and Charlotte. When we got down here, you know who I met? J.D. and Charlotte. God had led them down here because why? They wanted to possess the presence of God and be be possessed by him and allow him to possess them. People of God, people of his heart. J.D. and I had great conversations. And it wasn't always conversations. Uh, <laughs> and he's laughing. J.D. and I had great times where I listened to what J.D. had to say. <laughs> huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. And we were working on a Saturday, and it's kind of back in that area over there. I remember standing over there, and um, Saturday was a volunteer day, you know, here when we are working on this, on this. And in walks J.D. Now, J.D. looks good, even on work days, you know. I mean, his, uh, he, I think he had his slacks on that day and his, and his you know, his shirt. But it, it was ironed and looked good. And J.D.'s walking across to me, and I yell out. He's, you know, he's 15 feet or so away from me. He said, I said, how you doing, you old plow boy? And he came up, you know, killed my hand with that big grip that he had, you know. Just good. What do you got? What do you want me to do? I gave him an assignment. Off he went. One of the other guys from church was standing there. He came over to me like this. He goes, you talk to J.D. that way? I go, yeah. I just gave him a compliment. <laughs> yeah. He said, an old plow boy? I said, come here. So we walked back over here, and I talked to J.D. He said, hey, J.D., did I just give you a compliment? Well, absolutely. <laughs> just an old plow boy from, from Iowa. Love you, Charlotte. Thank you. Thank you. So part of that rejection, you know, when people like J.D. and Charlotte come into your life and it changes family. And then, Dave, here's one. Here's one. The very first, we've been here quite a while, and we finally got an invitation to come to worship team practice. I, didn't, I mean, that's nothing on Dave. I mean, it's just you're building in, again, relationship. And, you're, and trying to meet people, and people get to know you. And, and Dave and, Dave and my, our friend, you know, Bob Potts, they hit it off right away because Bob's a guitar player. And, you know, in those days, if you were just a singer, you were just a singer, okay? Okay, just... Uh, just Right? That's right. Julie, that's right. If you weren't a player, you're still part of the team, but you're a singer. <laughs> so we finally got an invitation to go to worship team practice. You know what? That, the night of that practice was on the night that I had scheduled an appointment with somebody here in town that I had had a confrontation with and I needed to apologize to.
and I couldn't go. I had to make a choice right then. Who's going to possess me? Huh? As much as I love worship and, and, and miss being a part in that way, and again, another chance to build in relationship and friendship. And You know, Dave's from Iowa, too. He won't tell you because he didn't really like Iowa that much, I don't think. <laughs> but he's from Iowa. Denny's from Iowa. Ann's from Iowa. You know, Denny, when Denny was growing up in Sheraton, Iowa, that is the hometown of my grandparents and where my folks lived when they were first married. Sheraton, Iowa. Denny was raised there. His dad was a teacher there in that school. I always thought that was kind of cool. But I couldn't go. And it was months. It was months until we got another invitation. Vicky got to go. Vicky's a player. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Then there was a time that Mariama Matai, how many of you know the Matais? Yeah. Matai Matai. Mariama Matai. Mariama is praying for me one day. A prophetic word she released to me. She said, Dan, you're going to get to harvest where you've not planted. That's still unfolding in my life. I'll never forget it, though. You're going to get to harvest where you haven't planted. And I was here, as some of you, when their son, uh, Shibu, was drowned. His body laid in a casket right here. How many days, Denny? Nine, seven, nine days, something. It was, maybe, it was something like that. You ever go to church and there's a dead body laying in the front of the church and it's not the funeral service? But it's a people pressing into God, believing for the power of resurrection. And this fellowship, friends, and the community knew about it and the paper got picked up about it, a little bit what eventually was happening here, but gathered several nights just to worship and, 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 and seek the Lord on behalf of raising Shibu and behalf of, a lot of it was the faith of his parents, the calling that they felt on his life. And and the chairs were lined up a little differently then. And I like this, Emily, this new arrangement. I'm kind of sitting over here where Mike is, Captain Mike, and hi, Mike. And uh, Bob Potts and I were sitting over here. Worship had, had gone on. And there, there, wasn't a lot of talk, there wasn't a lot of talking going on in this time. It was a waiting before the Lord, a pressing in. I remember we were standing there. And a wave of Holy Spirit came across from this side to this side and hit Bob and I. And we landed in a pile back here about where Mike and Julie are sitting back there. And we've been sitting up here. 
Nobody touched us. Nobody prayed on us. And I'm convinced, and that's what I wrote in my note here, Holy Spirit was showing off. You think I can't do that? Watch this. Boom! We're in a pile. <laughs> oh, Bob, we had some fun. All here, I also learned to, to work and stand in the anointing. Have you ever found it kind of hard to stand in the anointing at times? Well, we had, you, you've heard about some of these things, I'm sure, but it was over on that side. But we, we had a series of meetings that went for about six months. Every single night except Sunday night, I think it was. Healing meetings. And Denny took courage, and I think, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Denny, but I think it was from a word partly from, from Patricia King that we should invite Todd Bentley to come. But anyway, Todd was here. I don't know what the whole deal. Todd was here. He's 25, 26 years old, young man, pretty rough around the edges. Yeah. And during those meetings then, Nobody asked me. I just was, I wanted to be involved, you know. And, and so when Todd was praying for stuff, I just started going up and being the cat, helping be a catcher. You want to press into God, you ought to be a catcher. Yeah. The anointing of God to be right there and. You're feeling what's going on. You're sensing what's going on. You're a part of what's going on. But you also have a, I felt a, a, a mandate from God. You better be strong here because this person might be going down and they might need your help. And I want to love on them. So I learned how to, as it were in that, to, to set some of my own emotion aside, set some of of my own feeling in that sense and really press into what God was wanting to do and let him use me as he wanted to in that situation. <laughs> and a big lesson out of that for me continues to be how much he cares for people. Being a catcher is just loving on people. There was the night, though, that I split out my pants. I don't know why I wore a brand new pair of slacks to the meeting that night. And I don't hardly ever wear slacks. But we were about... Guys, you got to know these meetings and things. The platform over there is not very big. But our whole team would be on that platform. And, and when you were just a singer over there, um, you had this much space to stand in. Okay. It was just like this. And in some of those meetings, guys, and the Holy Spirit was on people and falling and, and, and in worship, and as people were just prostrating themselves into the goodness of God, I literally could not move from my spot because you were going to step on someone. <laughs> and so, 
as uh, some of the personal ministries going on, you know, we were, we were moved back. I was with Todd, and we were moved back probably halfway down the, the center aisle over there towards, towards the... Is that the front wall or the back wall? You know. And there was a lady. She was a wonderfully large lady. A real large lady. Todd's praying for her, and she's going over. And I got to do the full spread eagle to get her down without dropping her. And I heard it. My slacks ripped from my belt clear to the zipper. <laughs> and I'm halfway back. And my coat was up on the platform where I had been during worship. I'm feeling the breeze. Huh? And I'm meandering my way back up there, you know. And I got across up on the steps. And how, there, there was a young man sitting on the steps, Jimmy Brower. You guys know Jimmy? Jimmy and Robin. And Jimmy's on the steps there, and I step up and reach down, kind of reach down to get my coat. Jimmy goes, excuse me, sir. Do you know that your pants are split? <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> I had to go home early that night. Dave, thank you for facilitating the worship during those meetings. Not only was there healing going on, there was worship every night. You want to call people into pressing in? Worship every night. I mean, we're all called to worship in our own ongoing every day. But to worship corporately every night. And Dave, you helped pull that off. And it was really when we had to start calling in some other teams that things shifted a little bit initially. But that is the other thing that happened. Others started to join in, other churches. So thank you, Dave, for doing that. Thank you. I did get to pray sometimes for people in those meetings. Two things that come to my mind as I was thinking of memories. Right outside those doors, you got to remember those doors weren't there in those days. That was just a wall and uh, bathrooms back around there. Started to pray for somebody and they puked all over me. <laughs> Do you know there were demons at the vineyard? Oh, my goodness. You know who helped clean it up? Roger. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just because he was part of his job. It was part of his, big part of his heart. So I got thrown up. I've been thrown up on in the vineyard. And then I was praying for this guy from Springfield over there again. And he was blind in one eye from birth. He was probably about 35 years old. I prayed for him, a very simple prayer. Lord, in the name of Jesus, eyes be healed. I will never, ever, ever, ever forget 
him looking at me and the look upon his face when he realized that he was seeing for the first time in his life out of both eyes. That happened in this house. It's the DNA of this house. Yes. And it was no long drawn out thing. It was in the name of Jesus, eyes be healed in Jesus' name. And he did it. See, healing's in your DNA, guys. Those who love him. And it's in the DNA of, of, of Jesus' pursuit. Mike, thank you. Mike, thank you. Pressing in. Healing in this house. Lifting up, training. And getting to do it. Thank you. In those meetings, there was a, uh, a young woman that came up from southern Oregon. Uh, they were from Cave Junction or something. Dale, I can't get his last name, uh, Denny, but Dale was pa her dad, dad down there, and they pastored. But she came, she was here as a young adult. Her leg was turned 90 degrees like this, crippled. And in this house, in these meetings, in the word of God, and the proclamation of healing, that leg that night went... <laughs> Just like that. And she could walk. <laughs> she could hardly walk because she was so excited. But she could walk normally for the first time. That happened in this house. In this house, I was, I was introduced to, to worship leaders. Don Potter in this house. Kevin Prosh in this house. Rita Springer in this house. Emily Tedrow in this house. Huh? Yeah. And others. Denny, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Trying to possess the, the best, I mean, of God and release it. You know, there are not a lot of other worship uh, fellowships and worship that move in intercession like this house moves in. They don't understand that aspect of worship. But this house does. This house does. Thank you. It's in your DNA. And there's praying intercessors in this house. There always has been. We say thank you to those intercessors. And again, we had to learn. We'd have those intercessing meetings and Denny would be there, you know, and we'd all be sitting around a little bit and finally Denny would say, hey, you know, this is a prayer meeting and you got to pray. The prayer meeting, pray. And a faithful group of people pray, continue to pray. And I hope you, each of you, continue to pray and intercede. So we had many great times uh, serving on the Albany team.
And then physically, I got to, I got to work with, with a lot of great men and women as we were working on this house. I don't know, Romeo, I don't know how many, how many gallons of black paint are up here. You know, I think Romeo got all those. <laughs> we, we, we changed colors that day as we were painting in here. And the vision for this, this blacking out actually came out. Uh, I remembered seeing this at the Boise Vineyard, of what they had done in their facility. And all, it made all of this go away. So thanks, Romeo. <laughs> and working with Terry, yeah. Working with Mike, Mike Brink. I apologize, Mike. You know, Mike... Mike, was, he, he was always here and working. He, he was faithful. In those days, he didn't know a whole lot about some of the stuff we were doing. <clears throat> and he was learning. And once in a while, we would write his name by any mistake that we saw. I apologize, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it just said brink on it. <laughs> and I came in one day in the, the back storage room back here over on the other side. I walked in there. And it said sparks. <laughs> and that, the night before, I was repairing a little sheetrock spot, two by two or something, and there was no lighting in there. Justin, I put the, I put the sheet on reverse side out. Proper paper was inside the back, oh, and it said sparks. I deserved it. I don't think I don't know if Mike did that or somebody else, but working with Roger, working with Ron Miller. Millers were a big part of this fellowship, friends. David Dryden, Andrew Dryden, Gary Watts. Yep. Bob Potts, Bill Lancaster, David Hurd, Max Croson, Bill Sprinkle, Les Sprinkle, Ron Powell, Mr. Tedrow, Justin, Mike West, Mike. <laughs> Sometimes you just have people that are kind of accident prone. Mike was kind of one of those things, and I can still remember this, this going out when we'd be hanging some rock, and, and he'd slip, and he'd go, ooh, that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> yeah. And my sons, Justin Sparks, Tim Sparks, they worked hard on this facility. And this is just a few of those who came and worked clean, painted, made acoustic panels, provided meals, and cleaned. Did I say cleaned? Cleaned and cleaned and cleaned and cleaned. We'd make a mess, they'd clean. Thank you. I want, I want to say thank you again. And if I didn't mention your name, please don't be offended. You were here. You know you were here. And I thank you for faithfully volunteering. I was thinking maybe Carmen was going to be. I was going to apologize to her. And this is what I'm going to tell her. I said, Carmen, I apologize again. 
I really did not know there was a drowned rat in that sink that I asked you to go clear. <laughs> I really didn't know. <laughs> Boy, did I get, you ever get the finger like this? I mean, this. We had a mop sink back here we'd put in, and that, when we are doing cleaning stuff, that's where we'd dump, you know, we'd dump the water, five-gallon buckets in there and stuff. And, and so during the week, we'd dumped in there, and there had been a rag in one of the buckets and went down the drain and plugged the drain. So I had to get Rotor-Reader in here to get this cleaned out. And so we got it cleaned out. The drain's all working again. I come back in Saturday morning. That drain, that, that sink is full. We got a lot of people here. People are pulling on me. What do you want me to do? Where do you go? We got to have that sink. Carmen's coming by. I say, Carmen, I think there's a rag stuck in that sink back there. Would you go get it cleared so we can use it? Carmen being Carmen, wanting to help. I can tackle it. <clears throat> Off she went. And then just about three or four minutes later, I'm standing out here more by those doors, and she's coming from back here, and I can see her coming. She's going... A rat had crawled back through the sewer, gotten st stuck in the plumbing of the sink, was half out into the sink, half in the drain. And it's all, it's all just, you know, dirty water. You can't see to the bottom of the, of the drain. And Carmen, when I told her, I think there must be a rag stuck in there, <laughs> reached down, grabbed, pulled out a drowned rat. <clears throat> Yep. So at lunch that day, I just, you know those twisty ties on the bread wrappers and stuff? We were having hoagie sandwiches that day. I just took one of those ties and kind of stuck the tail end of it out of her sandwich. <laughs> Carmen, I apologize. <laughs> All right, I apologize. I didn't know it was there. Meeting and pressing in with several prophetic voices in this house. How about Wes and Stacy Campbell? They've been here. Patricia King, Bill Johnson, Chris Valentin, Bobby and Carolyn Connor, Bob Jones and his wife Viola. And speaking of Viola, here's what I wrote. It's true. It said Viola delivered a pretty good right punch to my jaw one time when they were here. <laughs> During their stay, I was, I was their assigned driver. She was battling some physical and mental health issues at that time. And on a Sunday morning after I had thanked her for coming, my jaw met up with her fist. And Ann, you were standing there. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this or not. It was over in the front row on the other side. So I've been punched out at the vineyard before <clears throat> from, the, from the wife of the prophet. So, you know, both her and Bob are with the Lord now. Friends, this house is a prophetic house. It is a prophetic house. And again, I'll say it's always been supported by faithful group of intercessors. And it's in your DNA. It's in your DNA and you experienced this morning 
people coming, giving the prophetic word. Then he took several of us to Pensacola for a week. I'll never forget that. It's a fantastic week. He, he, he told us, I want you guys to experience and know what revival is. We're pressing in for revival. And so we went. It was a great week. Remind Bob Williams ever you see him. Bob happened to be fasting that week. 40-day fast he was on. And none of us had compassion on him. We just ate and ate and ate in front of him. So, I remember Dave asking some folks about where he could get a latte. We were down in the parking lot down there, and Dave's asking, where, where can you get a latte around here? And I don't know where the person was from or... But they just kind of come up in their southern accent and said, well, there's, a lots of, there's a lots of coffee down at the 7-Eleven. <laughs> and there were no coolers, what? No coolers, umbrella? What was it? What yeah, what you mean? <laughs> there are no coolers, no umbrellas, whatever, going in. See, these meetings, guys, people were so hungry and pressing in. The lines in the parking lot... People line up from 6 in the morning or even from when a meeting ended the night before, line up in the parking lot to be available to want to get back in to the house of God to, to worship, receive healing. And Terry and I hung out quite a bit during that time. During those, We met a gal named Margaret. She was on their, their prayer team there at Pensacola. And she befriended us out in the parking lot, you know, because you had to stand in line, you know, to for the meeting, and, and they would let you hold spots, which was good, but we were standing there, we met Margaret, she was going through praying for people. That night, or one of the other nights, we had been in line all day, but we, when we got in, we headed to the balcony, because the main corridor, main sanctuary was full. And we'd been in line all day, and we, I mean, we were not towards the end of the line, <laughs> So we went to the balcony, and Terry and I sat down next down to this older couple that was sitting there. And they were doing some pre-service testimonies. And this gal is up sharing, and she's just, she's just shaking. By, you know, she's, she's shaking. She can't hardly hold the microphone, but her voice is pretty clear. But she's just shaking. And she says something like this. She goes, I don't know what's going on, but for sure, but God's, God's on me. <clears throat> and then she goes, and I'm a good Baptist girl, and I don't believe in any of this. <laughs> uh-huh. And she said, and I was just talking to my husband a while ago, and he's, he's in Indiana where we live, and, and <clears throat> he said, uh, honey, you're not going to believe what's happening to me. He says, I came home last night. You know, the house was dark. I walked in the door, and something just clouded me over the head, and I've been in a pile on the floor, and God's been talking to me, and I've been shaking for hours. There wasn't anybody in their house. Holy Spirit got a hold of him. And this, this guy, I'm sitting next to this guy. He says, he says uh, what's going on here? I go, well, she's being touched by the Lord. He says, yeah, okay, but what's going on here? I go, what do you mean? He says, well, 
He says, my wife and I, we're, we're from, I think it was, they were from North Carolina. He says, we're, we're on vacation in Texas in our motorhome, and we just felt like we were supposed to turn around. So we turned around and started coming back, and we found ourselves here in this parking lot. What's going on here? And I'm going, how in the world did you get up the stairs and get into this building? They, he was sincerely honest. He had no idea what was happening with these meetings. And he kept asking me, what's going on here? And then the lady's shaking. He says, does she have a demon? And then he went on to share with me. He said, you know, I've only, God's only talked to me. I know he talked to me. To, I know that was him talking to me. And he'd only talked to me one other time in my whole life. And, and, and this gentleman's probably 75 years old. Or, he said, but just a couple years ago, my wife and I were on vacation. And he says, I, I was battling uh, a leg, leg uh, something going on in my leg. And we got a call from our daughter. And my wife had to fly home to take care of her. And I'm left in the motorhome, he said, for three days by myself. And I can't get out of the home or hardly move. And he says, you know what? God showed up and took care of me. And now we're on vacation again, and we're here. What's going on here? And he shared with me he was a retired electrician. So here, here, friends, this happens in this house. God can give you information that you need to speak into a person's life. We sometimes call it words of knowledge, or sometimes just plain old wisdom, you know. And God spoke to me about him because he told me he's an electrician. Retired electrician. I said, hey, when your electrical work, did you ever get, did you ever get a hold of the hot wire and get shocked? He says, yeah. I said, what happened to your body? He says, it went like this. I said, that's what's going on with her. She's the power of God is touching her. And you know what he said? Oh. Oh. It all made sense. I, 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 in those simple words, solved some great, great theological problems. As the meeting progressed and we got into ministry time there, we could see, Terry and I could see it, the Holy Spirit was all over this man and this woman. And they were asking for prayer. But in Pensacola, when the, when the invitation was given, there was a rush, a flood. God would have had to transport them over the rail to get them down for prayer there. And here, Terry and I, we're trapped in regards to following, to following the guidelines that were given to us as we participated in those meetings that, that they did ask that other people that, to just let their team play, pray for individuals. At first, that kind of irked me a little bit. Then I got thinking, no, I can honor this house. And the stories are coming out about all different ones that come in, try to steal the meetings and witchcraft, and all that stuff was coming in. They were, they were protecting the people, as it were. But, but uh, Terry went, hey, we know Margaret. <laughs> Down the stairs, went, found her. She's ministering somewhere. Told her we had somebody need prayer. She says, I'll be up in just a little bit. 
Pretty soon, she came. She prayed for this man, for his healing, and he was gone. Boom. <laughs> he's already sitting down, but he's laid out. His wife was a little nervous. But God was all over him. And I know he healed him. And I know that both of them gave their lives to Jesus that night. Because God had a plan to draw a people from North Carolina to get him to Texas, to drive all the way back to a parking lot in Florida, to get up, to get in a building that was unaccessible to get into because there's so many people, to get him up the stairs into a balcony seat where they could have a discussion where somebody, just somebody clear from Oregon to explain just a little bit about the power of God and what was going on. And a person who would honor the rules and go find the right person, I know he was healed, saved. That's Pensacola. Lots more stuff. My time has gotten away. But one of my most precious memories here in this house was hearing Heidi Baker speak here. And we'd had worship, and, and Heidi shared, and Roland shared. And we're going back into worship then, closing out the meeting. I wasn't on the team that night. I was, again, sitting down over here on this side. Whoever was leading that night, it's wrapping up, you know. That's the last song. And when the last chord is, is hit, I hear this voice of one laying prone right up here on the floor. Can't we sing just one more song? Can't we just sing one more song for Jesus? I'll never forget it. See, this, this is a house of worship. And I pray you press in to possess the heart of, can't we sing just one more song? Yes. 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 Powerful. There's some things I know. God gave the design for this facility, this side. We had initial just drawing of it. And originally it was turned with the platform and stuff up there. And this long seating area coming this way. And, you know, those are the bathrooms over there in that corner that have access from out on that side. But, the, I mean, we got the bathrooms right up in the middle of the stage here kind of. And look like maybe we're going to have to do something different with those bathrooms. I mean, the church spent $40,000 on getting those bathrooms in. And man, I was, 
I mean, Denny just showed me the drawing. I don't know if he'd even asked about leading some on this. He just showed it to me. And I was really uneasy about it in my spirit. I said, God, this isn't, this isn't right. What's, show, show what needs to happen. Well, sometimes we can't see because there's obstacles in the way, right? Stuff that we're familiar with or, or we've gotten kind of accustomed to, see? And there used to be a big mezzanine that came through this area, two-story mezzanine. Because this used to be the furniture store. You guys remember that, any of you? And they had this, they'd have little room displays up in, up in this mezzanine. They, they were little, little rooms, and you go in, and they had furniture set up there and special lighting and, and all that. Well, that thing came out, out into here somewhere. I got thinking about it, and I said, what are we going to do with that thing? You know, well, tear it down. <laughs> oh, tear it down. You're just so used to seeing it there, you can't see it with, with it not being there. Tear it down. Oh, and then when you tear it down, you can turn this, this whole thing this other direction, and you can save your bathrooms over there and not touch them. And you know what? There's another set of bathrooms back over here that will be accessible also, that already exists. Thank you, God. That's God. God's had a, a plan, even in the facilities. And then the interior recesses of these walls, I'm just telling you, things I know, they're filled with scriptures and prayers, and they're filled with declarations. And that was part of the work, part of the work in, in, in building here that people came to prophesy and speak the word of God into these very walls. It's there. They're there. There's about 250 sheets of 5-8 sheetrock in here. They're 4 by 12 sheets. They're heavy. And it took a lot of teamwork to get them hung. Teamwork, 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 teamwork. Our friend Gary Watts, who he and his wife were part of this house. Gary, Gary took a leave of absence from his job. I think he worked at HP. Some of you guys, was it? Is that right, Dan? Worked at HP. And Gary came and served uh, with myself and our crew that was working during the day, every day, for several months. And Gary's the one that, that designed these screwy walls back here that had these slots in them. And this one right over here. Some of you guys think those are just decorative things. No, those, those are acoustic bass traps that handle, help handle the acoustics in this building. Gary designed those. The creativity of God working through a man's mind and his heart. And when we got them all built, um, see, because that little slot lets... There's, there's wall framing uh, alongside that, but it lets sound go in there, but it can't get back out. Well, the acoustic company that we hired to direct us in all of this, Gary came up with this design. And when they saw the design, you know what? They, want, they offered him a job to come work with for them. And he didn't take it, but that's God. This, this 
stage up here, you know, this has about 80 ton of sand in it. This whole thing is filled with sand. How many of you are here for the beach party? A few of you? <laughs> yeah. Those doors we could get open at that time. We had dump trucks, loads of sand out there. We had the skid steer in here and brought them in, dumping it in, and guys were, ladies were shoveling. This block work. It was done by my friend Miles McCary and his friend Harlan Neal. They're both professional brick masons. They came and did it because they loved the Lord and they, had it, they, they were able to catch a little bit of vision of what God wanted to do in this house. And they gave their talents. They didn't charge us anything. Hallelujah. We saved over $30,000 on, on the footings that where these columns are. Now, some of you might not realize. Look back here at the back wall. You see the brick back there? That's what was where these, these tubular columns were. Those are supporting brick columns back there. We tore all of those out because of sight of vision, line of vision, and was able to put in these steel columns. And we hired a structural engineer to help guide us in that. When I first met with him, he said, hey, Dan, he says, you know, four-inch round and eighth-inch wall will hold this thing up. He says, but that's not what we're going to do because people see that. They'll go, uh-oh. <laughs> so, yeah, what, they're six by six. And... So the jackhammer was running in here. Emily and Heidi were trying to work in the office over there. They had to put up, and Denny's over there, you know, work, and... But loads and loads, of, I mean, of those brick and, and concrete came out of here to replace them. and went out that backside. Roger had his truck out there. Roger hauled all that for free for the church. Part of his giving. But I'm talking to the engineer, and he's talk, we're talking about the footings that are below here, see, that hold these poles up. These, these poles have to sit on something. A strong foundation. And we're talking about it, and he, and he said, you know, it's going to cost probably about $30,000 to put new footings in there. $30,000. I mean, we're church was doing this as offerings came in and money they had saved, and, and you know, the church was able to do it. I, I don't know what the final was, like 250000 or something, but the, but the church paid cash for this as we went. There was no debt. Yeah, pretty, pretty close on that, right, Dan? Yeah. 282? Okay. Yeah. So I say, hey, I'm getting thinking that. Oh, man, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of work. And then I got thinking, hey, Justin, I get smart once in a while. You know, it's a God helping me. <laughs> he says, I'm getting thinking, hey, we're not adding any load. We're not adding any... Structural load, we're not going up. We just got the same as what we've had. So how come those footings aren't good enough for what we're doing? Why would we have to take them out? Why couldn't we just, why couldn't we just anchor bolts into that footing and epoxy those bolts in 
and put a plate system there and weld these columns to, to that plate and not do all that work and save thousands of dollars. And, and the structural engineer looked at me and says, I never thought of that. I never thought of that. But God did. And that's what we did. One at a time. One at a time. And then I made this fatal mistake that I did not read the fine print on the blueprints. Because there is welding involved with all of these columns. And welding down underneath, it's covered up, you can't see. And I welded all that stuff. Brother Max Croson brought his welder in here. Good welder. Good machine. I welded all that stuff. And I'm pretty sure we had the cement poured back around it. And then I'm reading the, reading the plans one day and I see this little small note that says, all, all welding will be done by certified welder and inspected by uh, an outside certified company. You could have heard my jaw hit the floor because I wasn't certified. I welded a lot. So, we've been working with a company down on Springfield, Eugene, who'd done special inspections. They had to do it for the bolts and stuff. And one of their, one of their chief inspectors that we'd been working with was Amy Miller's dad. <laughs> Amy Miller's dad. Some of the Millers are here today. It was Amy Miller's dad. And Danny and... I, we made a call down there and explained our situation. I had to explain what I had done. We were asking for help. What can we do? Because the answer that very likely could have come, been, you're going to have to cut all that out, and it's all going to have to be redone. We let him, we told the truth. We didn't try to hide anything. And we got a call back from them. They said, we've been thinking... And they talked to the main owners down there. He said, here's what we think. We'll come up there. Dan, if you did the welding, we'll have you weld for us. We will have you weld a sample of what you've done on these columns. And then we will test it. And if it passes the test... then we will approve the welding and give you your certification. So that's what happened. It came up. We laid out over here on the floor. I did the welding that he requested. He took the hammer, the sledgehammer, to beat it apart. He says, that passes. Hallelujah. That's God. <laughs> That's God. He covers our mistakes. He covers our oversights, even when we, we didn't mean to it, be it that way. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I bet you didn't know that. 
Then he knew it. We were sweating a little bit. And then I see Rick is here today. Brother Tripp, where are you? Did you guys leave? There he is. There's Rick. My friend, Brother Rick. Well, you know, we were doing some saw cutting in here one night. Kind of right over here, Jim, where you guys are sitting. It's Friday night. I think it's the last Friday night of the month. CarQuest is our neighbor over here. There's a two-inch galvanized water pipe there that we know is abandoned. It's not carrying any water. The water's not even on over here. I take the old hot saw, and as I do, I'm kind of stuff's kind of coming out of the pipe. It's not liquid. It's kind of like wires. I just cut through all the data lines for CarQuest that somebody had ran through a two-inch galvanized water pipe. It's the last Friday night of the month. This facility here is the main hub for their whole computer system for CarQuest. And all of the building comes into there. I go, Rick, Rick, Rick works for the phone company. He works for Pioneer Communications. Rick, I may get on the phone. I call, Rick, this is what's happened. He says, I'll be right over. I don't know that he knew. Was there over 100 pair in there, Rick? I don't know how many wires are in there. There are bunches. And Rick spliced them all. He repaired every single one. Just sat there and worked and worked and worked. And he didn't get mad at me. And they all worked. They were back up and running. It was, it was, it was God. Thank you, Rick. Talents. Talents. The last thing you don't know probably is that, you know, we got our occupancy permit for this, for this area. On the day, the morning of when we had a conference starting here in this facility that had a, a thousand people pre-registered to come. Sound system was getting finished up. Roger, Roger's getting, I mean, the staff, you know, all setting up with the chairs. And, and we don't have our occupancy permit. And Denny had been, you know, just faithfully asking me along the way. We knew, I mean, this conference we'd had scheduled for a long time. Part of it was a celebration for this area. And he said, Dan, are we going to make it? I said, yeah, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. And we were all in really good shape to make it. But the day before when we were getting, going to get, or two days before when we were going to get it finalized, I called for final inspection, find out that our main inspector that we've been working with the whole time, Hank, and I can't think of his last name, but he worked for the city of Albany. He's very kind to us, helped us. Hank was gone on vacation. So we, we got the city building uh, plan developer to come down and was going to do the final inspection. Well, guys, everything already been inspected. The final is just just to walk through, you know, just in case something. And he looks, and he's walking through, and he looks up here at the platform. He says, you don't have any handrails up here on the platform. 
I go, yeah, we have handrails right here. He says, no. He says, no, this, this has to have handrails all the way around it. I go, that's not on the plan. That's not what is approved. We have exactly what was on the plan. He says, I don't care what was on the plan. He says, you've got to have handrails up there before I'm going to sign this thing off. And he goes, and they don't have to be pretty, but you have to have them. So what are you going to do then? Huh? <laughs> we got to figure out how to get handrails. Well, somebody had a, an inn at, with one of the muffler shops here in town, and we went and got muffler pipe all bent up and surrounded this built handrails all along this platform here with muffler pipe. And he had told me, the inspector, when he was looking at it, he says, they have to be there when I inspect. What you do with it afterwards, I don't really care. Okay. So we got all this muffler pipe up here. And we got our inspection finalized that morning when that evening a thousand people are going to be here. <laughs> and that's God. Now if you need some muffler pipe, I bet it's probably still up overhead here, <laughs> um, you know, in the uh, outside part there. Did you throw it away? There's good straight pipes there, some curves. Anyway, that's God. God was in this place, guys. And then when Hank, I finally saw him again, the city official, he looked at me and here's what he said. He said, he said, Dan, he said, you've turned, you and the church, you've turned this warehouse into a house of worship. And I know that the real house of worship represented here are the people, the people. People who press in what Jesus had possessed for them. That's you. Now, I've talked way too long, and, and there's other scriptures I wanted to hit, but you can read those. Read, read Philippians 3, Philippians 4, as, as Paul writes, because Paul says, you know, he said, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone who see you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. And then he gives the list. Don't worry. <laughs> Pray. I really wanted to hit all that, but I, I'm not going to do it. But the, the, what I do want to do, as I prepared to come home, as it were, for this time, I've really wanted my desire all along to, Lord, have your way in me today. Lord, I'm going back, as it were, to my roots, which I still stand in, I operate in. Today, every day, I, we operate in these things at, at Lighthouse. There are roots that were helped place down into firm ground here. 
There are a lot of crazy things that happened here too, guys, that weren't so good. And some of you have been part of it. I was the cause of some of it. But we do forget the past in those things, and we press on to what the prize that's before us. I 100% come alongside the words that were shared here. Roger, your word here today, absolutely right on. God's got us. He's got a hold of us. He's upholding us. He's got a hold of light of, of this church here, of this fellowship. He's had his hands on it since the beginning. It was birthed because out of intimacy. It is alive. It has, it has, it has life to share. And the challenge then for me as I was even preparing, I had to pray. I just prayed this prayer for myself. Lord, help me press in that which you want me to possess, which you possess for me. Help me press in. That's my prayer for me. And the invitation then to you today is to press in. Press in. Press in. Re-up. Be re-envisioned. Know where, know where you're at. Know where, who you are. And with it, opening up your heart to God to, to see what else He wants to do. Albany is God's city. It, it, it was created for God. The paper mill's not here anymore. It doesn't stink, you know, all that. <laughs> Didn't he used to tell that joke? <clears throat> Albany's a great city. It's a great city. And people need to come and know the Lord and, and, and have Him as their possession. Re-up. Re-up again. And those of you that said, I've never quit. Hallelujah. Re-up again. Keep, keep on pressing in. Press in for that call that's upon your life. And he's, he's going to look you in the eye one of these days and he's going to say, well done. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done. Well done. Well done. Well done. That's what I want to hear. Well done. Well done. Well done. And I'd be amiss if I didn't just give this invitation. Maybe there's some of you here that never met Jesus before. You never met him. You don't really know him as your personal Lord and Savior. Today's your day. Today's your day. His word says what? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, what? I'll come in. I'll come in. I'll have fellowship with you. <laughs> That's you. Come in. Come right up here right now. If that's you. You don't know Jesus. Come up here. 
He loves you. He loves you. And that's what's going to happen this week as you guys go out. <laughs> You're going to meet people. Keith might be an evangelist. I don't know. You know. Yeah, part of the call in his life. Well, there's others too. That, you know, um, oh, I could, I got to quit. Press in, guys. And spend some time this week then. Look, look at Paul's life in, in, in Philippians 3. Look at his life, who he is. And look at the calling that he beckons us with in, in chapter 4. To press in, to possess. <laughs> press in to possess. Let's pray. Thank you. Lord, thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Lord, we heard a long time, one of the first messages we ever heard from John Wimber, that when we get born again, we, we commit our lives to Christ and we commit our lives to his church. And we commit our lives to his cause. And this is a house, Lord. This is a house that is birthed out of that desire to be close to you. And that, the, and that your cause and your church would advance across this planet. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. We say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. What? Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon. If you would like to be a part of seeing people encounter God, experience transformation, and be equipped to advance the kingdom, you have the opportunity to partner with us through giving at jesuspursuit.org forward slash give. Together, we can make Jesus famous in Albany, the Northwest, and the nations. We hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next time.